are few things that unsettle us as much as financial struggles. Our joy and peace are so strongly linked to our financial security. That's why God gave us over 800 passages on money in the Bible. This is Treasure, a four-part series on how to get the financial life God intends for you. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Glad to see you guys. Those of you that survived yesterday's sports events and so forth. I cheered for four teams yesterday and all four lost. Praise God my team didn't play until today. All right. Still got hope. Hey, before we get into the message today, I want to draw your attention to the things that you found on your seat as you came in. Tomorrow morning, we officially begin our week of prayer and fasting here at Grace Life. Again, we do this twice a year. We do it in January to get the year going well. We do it again in August to get the the new school year going well after a summer of vacation and travels and so forth. And so there were two things on your seat. One of them, the larger sheet of paper you see is a prayer guide. If you join us every morning, these are the themes that we'll be using to pray for. And if you are unable to join us every morning here in the building, then you can still take this and pray along. You can uh, take your lunchtime and say, instead of doing that, I'm going to go to my car or my cubicle or my office or whatever it is you have and pray. Um, You and your family could get up and pray together at breakfast. You can pray in the evening. However this works for you, we want to give you the opportunity to be a part of what God is doing. I do want to encourage you as well, though, to, to understand there is some power to bringing all of God's people together. It's the same reason that we get together here on Sunday mornings instead of just saying everybody log on to a website and watch a sermon. Because we believe that there is something powerful about coming together to worship God and see what he's doing. So the same thing plays out this week. We'll be here every morning from 6.30 to 7.30. We will end right on time so you can go to work. And let me clarify, you can come late and you can leave early. If you need to leave at 7 to go to work, don't let that keep you out of the entire thing. We'll be here Monday to Friday at 6.30, Saturday, (coughs) excuse me, at 9 a.m. And so uh, come and join us if you can. And then also one of the other things we do, you found this on your chair, is that we will pray for you. Every single day, many, many times, everybody will take cards and we'll be praying over them. So you'll get prayed for hundreds of times this week. If you could walk up to heaven right now and have a face-to-face with Jesus and say, I need one thing more than anything else for you to move in my life, what would it be? We are not going to pray for any of your teams to win the Super Bowl, just so you know. All right. That was supposed to be funnier than that. Wow. Wow. All right, well, let's go on. So, hey, we are in part two of a series that we just began called Treasure. Uh, And uh, the reason for these series, again, it's not only this series, but it's a series of series. This one and the one that's going to come immediately after it. This series is on money and the next one is on marriage. If you were here last week, you heard me talk about these two series both come out of the last time you filled out these cards in August. Hands down, and I'm pretty sure it's going to happen again today, hands down more than anything else, we're struggling with our marriage and we're struggling with our finances. Those show up on the cards more than anything else. That's fine. Happy to pray for those. But sometimes we also could just talk about some very practical things that will help change the way our money and the way our marriages are going. And so that's where these series have come from. So look, I know that even though it is one of our greatest needs, we all put it on the prayer cards, or at least the majority of us did, uh, that still when something's our greatest need, doesn't mean we want to talk about it. Is that right? And plus, money is the great taboo subject of our culture. No one wants to talk about money. So my intent throughout this series is to be as uh, biblical 
so then you can't throw anything at me, as well as to be as encouraging as possible. I'll admit, I've taught on money in the past, and probably not in a very nice way. And if anybody's been here for three or four years, you probably can think back a few years ago. Uh, my approach used to be that people who weren't giving all of their money to God were just selfish, little, mean people. And that's not the case at all, because even myself, in my past, I wouldn't have regarded myself to be that selfish, but I had to grow through the thing of, of coming to worship God with my money as well. And so the point that I've really come to discover is that uh, we're not really like that. That for the most part, we do want to be kind. We do want to be generous and we do want to, to give to God. It's just the day-to-day -day grind and the bills that keep adding up and so forth. And so um, here's what I want to be the premise of this series is that I'm not trying to get something from you. I am trying to get something for you. And that is just the absolute truth. What right now is happening is that the enemy is winning by getting so much of, of what should belong to us because of, of the way that we're making some decisions. And so that's really what I want to tackle. I want you to have everything that God intends for you, not trying to get anything out of it. And so the only thing I ask for you in return as we continue this series is that if you really do want a better financial life, um, if you really want to see people, uh, see things change in your life as you listed on that prayer card, have an open mind. And be willing to examine what the Bible says and compare it to the way we're living. Is that fair? You guys are with me? All right. Well, here we go. We are doing this series on four principles because I think there are four cornerstones of our financial life of being the way God would have it. Last week we talked about devotion. Very simple sentence, very simple principle that money is the greatest competitor for our devotion to God. If you didn't get that one, go back last week. I think it's a very important concept. This week we want to talk about the second principle that the Bible gives us, and that is giving. The thing, though, when we talk about giving is we don't have the same struggle. We've, throughout this room, got several different struggles. And, and there are going to be a few of us who struggle on this side of things. We have to remind you that you will need to pay bills tomorrow, because otherwise you'd give it all away today. There are some people like that in the room. They're just like, oh, hey, you can have it. I'll make more. Oh, you can have it. I'll get more. Uh, don't worry about that. It's like, <laughs> Slow down, buddy. You, you got to take your wife out to dinner tonight, or you've got to buy groceries for the kids. Some of us on one end of the spectrum, a few of us, will just give everything away without thinking about it. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's also another few, praise God, a few, only a small number of people. We don't want to give. We don't want to keep it. It's for me, and I just want to do my thing with it. The truth is, though, there's a few here and a few there, but the majority of us approach giving from a different standpoint, and that is, I would love to give. I plan to give when. And then there's always something after the when, isn't there? I plan to give when we're finally out of this debt. I plan to give when we get that raise. I plan to give when my spouse goes back to work because right now we're only one income. I plan to give when I win the lottery. How many, seriously, you know how many times I've heard someone say, if I won the lottery, the church would get, and they fill in the blank. Okay, but you win the lottery every two weeks and the church gets none of that. Well, if, and when I win the lottery, I'm going to buy this for my mother. Well, you win the lottery every two weeks, and you don't even call your mother. What makes you think you're going to change when you suddenly have zillions of dollars? Truth is, it's not going to change. And so, I don't believe when ever comes, which is why we want to talk about this concept of giving. I think that it's really uh, the, the, not even the issue. The Bible tells us what the issue is with giving. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me. If not, it'll be on the screen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 18 today. 
And I want you to know up front that this is a piece of a larger passage where somebody comes to Jesus and says, how do I inherit eternal life? And he begins to deal with the matters of their heart. So I'm not going to do the entire passage to answer all the questions about how to have eternal life. But the fact that Jesus is attacking the condition of the heart and addressing that is really where it comes in for us. Okay, so we're going to pick it up in verse 18. And it says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' answer, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. See, this is really important for us to understand. It has nothing to do with money. If I could just take a little time out for a second. God is economical. How many of y'all know that? God does not waste his time. He does not waste his energy. He does not waste his words. Every time he does anything or speaks any word, he is after something. Always. You know, we're famous for just saying things. When somebody says, what? What do you mean? Oh, no, no I was just talking, you know. We, God doesn't do that. Every single moment is worth something. So before Jesus even gets into his answer, he just takes one little second to be economical here. Excuse me? Why are you asking me about the way to eternal life unless you understand that I am God. You're not going to call anybody good unless they're God. And if you really want eternal life, you need to first recognize who I am. But that's all for free, buddy. Now let me answer your question. How cool is Jesus? Well, you know the commandments. That's what he says. Well, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. And the boys, I'm sorry, the ruler's response was, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. Can y'all just see his face right there? Like, Oh, this is going good. I've done those. I've got it. Matter of fact, I've been doing it since I was four. I'm an overachiever, Jesus. I've got this thing. Here's how this works, though. We have a perfectly holy God who expects anyone who is going to spend eternity with him to also be holy. And so Jesus says, okay, let's start here. Are you living in a way of holiness that goes along with what God has asked for? In other words, do you honor and obey God? And his answer was, yeah, I've been doing it my whole life. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, will you still lack one thing? Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven. Jesus makes three points as he does this, saying three things to the guy at once. The first one that he's saying, this is a hard issue. You have followed all the rules since you were a boy. I am proud of you, but there is still something corrupt in your heart, and I'm going to tell you what it is. I want to even draw it out of you. You, you followed everything you possibly could to be the rules of holiness, but you do not have a heart of holiness. There is something corrupt. What is the corrupt thing? It's what we talked about last week. The devotion. Money is the greatest competitor for our devotion to God. Here's a man who is standing in the presence of Jesus saying, how can I be with you forever? It's an issue of devotion. Why? Because the more you have to keep for yourself, the more that it says life is about you. That's an issue of devotion. It's a hard issue. The second thing that Jesus was getting at is he was simply teaching an incredibly basic truth when he said this, sell and give and then you will have treasure. Sending there like, don't you understand? I'm a ruler. I'm politically powerful. I'm rich. I have everything. What do you mean then? 
I will have treasure. Jesus is teaching the most basic truth. You have to give your treasure in order to actually have treasure. Maybe it sounds better if I say it like this. You have to give a fleeting treasure in order to have a lasting treasure. You have to give up an earthly treasure in order to have an eternal treasure. This is what Jesus is making very clear. As long as you want to hold on to this stuff that's going to crumble, it's going to fade. I mean, how many of you would be really impressed right now if you had the equivalent of a billion dollars worth of Roman money from 2,000 years ago? Wouldn't do you any good. Would have been great 2,000 years ago. And right now we're all like, man, this is awesome. Look at all this money I have. Wait 10 years in inflation. Won't be that much. Wait 100 years, you'll need Chinese money. Sorry, that may not be 100 years away in case you're wondering. The third thing that Jesus is saying, and I think this is really, really important because this might be where the whole disconnect is. We try to disconnect what Jesus tried to connect. He didn't try. What he did connect, which is this. Sell, give, and follow. We have decided this idea of I'm going to keep for myself and my materialistic things has nothing to do with my walk with Jesus. That my money's over here and Jesus is over there. And he made it incredibly clear. Letting go of your treasure on earth is part of following him. <clears throat> and it plays out in different ways. Because there are people who have no problem letting go of their, their financial treasure. They'll write a check, they'll give money, but they won't give their time. Or they won't go around the world to tell someone else about Jesus. Treasure in this case can be many things, but Jesus is making it really clear. If you want to follow me, you cannot keep separating this idea that it's, a, it's not a part of all this other stuff that you do your entire life. Lay down your treasure. Sell, give, follow me. We try to disconnect that. When the ruler heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Why did he become sad? It's incredibly simple because he knew the choice he was making in his heart. He knew where his devotion stood and he knew that he was not going to go back and sell everything that he had and give it to the poor, abandon his political position and just start following Jesus along with all these other losers. I mean, these guys were just fishermen. Who were they? Oh, and the one, he's a rejected tax collector. You want me to give up my position? You want me to give up my possession and follow you? I've kept all the commandments. I've done everything. I go to the temple. I've done all the worship things. How are you going to tell me that's not enough? But it was Jesus' very answer. And he was sad because he willingly chose treasure on earth now over treasure in heaven for eternity, which would make all of us sad. So, what should we do? Incredibly simple. We have to recognize the truth that giving is the only solution to the devotion dilemma. Giving is the only solution. You see, we've got the idea that our hearts will change after we give. That I'm sorry, that our hearts will change and then we'll give. That one day we're going to wake up and say, hey honey, ah, I think, uh, since we won all that money yesterday, I'll, I'll give it away. My heart is different now. But it doesn't work like that. You actually give, usually the first couple of times, like, uh, here, you know, it's a little painful. Y'all didn't laugh with me. Come on. 
when I'm picking on us, I'm one of us. Y'all are sitting there going like, he's picking on me. No, I'm picking on all of us. Look, it's hard that first time that we're trying to give something that we want to hold so valuably, valuably, whatever. And, and when you do, it's when your heart begins to change because the first time that you, t- you know what? I saved for this and, and I wanted to do this, but here. And when you see the smile on their face, when you see the impact it has in their lives, I'm telling you, for those of you that have done this, you know what I'm talking about. It's absolutely amazing because at that moment, it clicks. Yeah, I was looking forward to that TV or this weekend away or whatever. And I, I, you just immediately measure, I was going to get that much joy. The minute you see their face go, oh, didn't compare. I can't believe I almost missed this. When you're able to do something for someone that totally changes their condition. And see, that's the, that's the key, is it changes their condition. Because here we are just going, yeah, you know, it'd be cool to have a, a third TV, or it'd be cool to, you know, go out to this restaurant or do this. I mean, the truth is we're blessed people. We're blessed people. And I think that's part of the problem is we forget that we're really blessed people. We are really, really rich people. And, and when we think about the fact that we're just going to take our lives from here to here with the way we spend our money, and we can go over here and change someone's life from this to this with the same amount of money because we can change their condition. And sometimes we're not just giving to a, a poor person, giving to someone in need. We also sometimes give to people on mission. You want to talk about same, someone changing someone's condition, Imagine you can give this much money and it'll fund someone to go and live in a Muslim country and you change someone's spiritual condition from immeasurably low to going into the kingdom of God. Try to measure that. That's pretty cool. And you think, I could have bought ice cream. I could have bought two cartons of ice cream. Seriously? I could have had HBO. Let's just start turning off a couple of things we think. You know what? That... That, let's take that away and let's give it to either someone in need or someone on mission and see what God does to change someone's condition. That wasn't the notes. I don't know what I'm doing. That was the Holy Spirit. We have to recognize the truth that giving is the only solution to the devotion dilemma because our hearts do not change until after we give. I'm just going to promise you that's the truth. We have to give first. We have to start to pry open our hands and do things for other people and give to a greater cause and then go, ah, now, now I feel like it. Now I want to give more. Now I want to do this. The second thing is that you can't wait for your finances to change until you give. We've got two errant thinkings when it comes to, to giving. And the first one is, well, when my heart changes, I'll give. And the second one is, when my finances change, I'll give. When I win the lottery, when I get the raise, whatever. You, you heard me go through that earlier. We always think that is the precursor, but it honestly never works that way. Because we are working on the wrong formula. Our formula is when I get more for myself, I'll give a small piece of it away to someone else. When I have too much for what I need, then I will consider giving some of the extra to someone else. But if we look to our scripture, Jesus never commended those people. Matter of fact, he commended the people who gave almost everything they had and left themselves in a place who said, if God doesn't show up, I've got nothing. 
I mean, let's think about the story of the widow's mite where she came and gave her last two coins and Jesus complimented her in, in, in front of the people who were giving all of these greater amounts of money. I don't know about you, but as a, as a financial counselor, I would have said, wait, lady, are you going to pay your bills tomorrow? I mean, you got to be a good steward of your life too. What are you ser But Jesus commended people who said, you know what? I'm going to meet their need before I meet mine. And I'm just going to see what God will do with the rest of that. Our formula is take care of me. And when never comes. I'll give when. And it never comes. Because God's formula is completely different. God's formula works like this. Show me that you don't keep it for yourself. And then I'll give you more. Because you will share. And then I'm going to give you more. And because you will share. And I'm going to give you more. And it is just the way that it works. And look, we, we tried to, literally, we just ran out of the time and logistics to get to Charlotte and back. I've got a friend of mine there who is a multimillionaire who gives away lots of money. And nobody ever wants, there are some in the church too, but nobody ever wants to go on screen in their own church and talk about their finances. So I had got this guy who goes to another church to agree to let us see his story. And we just never got the, the logistical time over the holidays to get it recorded and get it done. But the point I'm making is I have multiple friends who are multimillionaires and they are all givers. They are all people who say, well, let me bless this person and let me bless that person and let me bless my family and let me bless what God is doing on planet earth. Because God is able to give to people that he can trust are going to invest in other people and invest in him, either people in need or people on mission. It's what God does. But let me do a little time out because it sounds like I'm starting to go down a road that I don't go down. And if you've heard me preach on money before, you know I don't go there, which is the, hey, everybody, if you just give more, God will give you more and you can get more. And after all, I just want you to give because I want God to give you more. And we turn into selfish people trying to use godly principles just to get more. Well, God, I'm going to, hey, God, <laughs> hello, are you paying, I just want to make sure you're paying attention because I don't give off. I'm about to do it here. I need you to see it because <laughs> I expect payback. See, this idea of I'm going to give in order to get, uh, well, the truth is it's actually kind of a biblical idea. God pours out blessing on people who are generous and who are givers. However, if that's your heart motivation, then you end up with a corrupt heart just like the ruler who asked Jesus the question. And so I want to make sure that even though the principle will come to work in your life, that your heart doesn't go down the road. So listen carefully when I tell you this. When you give to get, we have a term for that. It's called buying. And you can do it at any store on planet Earth at any time. Don't try doing it with God. The idea of paying it forward, how about that one? Pay it forward. I'm just going to give today. God will take care of me later. That sounds like your 401k, doesn't it? I'm going to put this much in today and tomorrow I expect that much in return. We don't give to get. We give to give. We give because our Father in heaven is a giver. It's what he calls us to do. It's what Jesus said. You want to be a part of what I'm doing? Sell it and give it. Show me that what you have on earth is not more valuable to you. Show me that you're not going to hold this stuff that's going to turn to dust greater than you're going to hold me. That's what he told the ruler. We give to change our hearts because giving is the only solution to the devotion dilemma. I'm going to close today 
with a very, very simple and practical challenge for this week. Give. It's as simple as it can be. Give. I want, and no, 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 not the offering in a minute. That's not what I'm talking about. Specifically not. I want you to find someone at work and say, hey, man, you going to lunch today? Somebody you usually go to lunch with. And when you go to check out, pay for their lunch. I want you to just offer, hey, you guys want some coffee? I'm going to get some coffee. Oh, sure, I'd like to. Okay. And they think they're going to pay you when you get back. I don't worry. I got it. Just give something somewhere this week. You really want to feel your heart change? You really want to do something? Okay, you can start by just being kind. Hey, buddy, let me buy your lunch. That's cool. But you can even go further and either find someone in need or someone on mission. Give to one of those two groups of people. You can go and find somebody and say, oh, let me help you. And there are ways to do that. It would not be hard to find somebody in this city in need. You probably know somebody already, to be honest. And there are lots of people who are on mission, lots of, lots of people. Find either one and give something to, to one of them because when you can give to someone who doesn't expect it, to someone that you see struggling to do something, how cool would that be? That's cool. I went shopping with my son this past week because he started his first job and they had a requirement for his, his clothes that he's got to wear. And so, you know, I'm trying to raise a somewhat responsible child. And so I thought it'd be fun to just, that's your job, boy. I'm not buying you clothes. You're going to get paid to wear. You're going to buy your own clothes. So he got, had to wrap his brain around, okay, daddy buys my clothes for everything else, but my clothes for my job, I got to buy. All right, I get that. So he went to the store, picked out all his clothes, and he walked up because it was fun watching him shop. Oh, those, those are expensive. These look just the same, and they're cheaper. You know what, teenagers? Do not do that when you are paying. <laughs> so after he made all of his selections on his wise spending, and as though he were paying for it, and he put it down, I pulled out my money, and I paid for him. And he kind of blew his mind. Wow. He actually, teenager actually said, thank you, Dad. I mean, what does it take to get those words? And the point is, it takes about a hundred bucks to get those words, just so you know. <laughs> That's how that works. It felt good. Because, come on, we got parents in the room. I mean, you buy groceries for your kids, you do it every week, you have to. It doesn't really feel all that good. Like, I worked hard, where'd all my money go? Four kids. But when you see gratitude, because you did something you didn't have to do because you gave, not because you paid a bill. Wow, it was fun. It was fun. He even took me over to the snack bar there and bought me popcorn. That was a pretty good deal. hundred bucks for 99 cent bag of popcorn. It's the principle. I gave, and what did it cause him to want to do? To give. We give to change our hearts. It'll never happen the other way around. Us. Let's be givers. Now, there's another reason we give. Because our God is a giver. He's given us life. He's given us blessing after blessing. And most importantly, He gave us Son. You heard us singing about it. You heard us talking about it in communion. That His Son came, Jesus, lived a perfect life and died on the cross, a painful death. And people sometimes try to brush that off. Well, he was God. Well, he was also man. He felt it. 
and he felt the sin and he felt the separation and he felt the shame and he felt that pain and God the Father gave him to you and me but every single one of us at some point in history has to receive that gift and say thank you Jesus for dying for me I want to live for you if you've never done that I want to help you do that here this morning we're just going to pray right where you're seated would you join me pray with me something like this Lord Jesus I thank you for giving your life and dying for me and paying a price that I deserve to pay. I thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for your forgiveness. And my simple hope in this place today is that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen and amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Truly the best moment of your life. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.